The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, was unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son and named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. May God's word only be spoken. May God's word only be heard. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. We are people of story. Stories give our experiences context as we share them. We understand our own lives more as we retell our stories. And maybe each time we retell them, we embellish a little more, or de-emphasize things we don't want to emphasize as much. But as people living and loving in relationship with God, the narratives of our spirit-filled experiences are really formational. And here's what I mean by that. They express how we see God around us, or how we don't, or how we understand God, or how we don't, or how we respond to God, and maybe we don't, right? Those stories tell how we are living in relationship with God. And so faith stories remind us where we have been and also help us define what our hopes and our dreams are for today and for tomorrow. And as we think about stories in our Christian context, we also name that we have common roots with our siblings in Judaism and our siblings in Islam because we are all part of the Abrahamic tradition. So this morning we hear within our Christian context, Paul retelling some of the story of Jesus 
We hear it also in Matthew retelling the story, hearing the, the prophecy from Isaiah. We even hear it in the prayers of the people that we'll say this morning. We hear it in our Eucharistic prayer. We retell our story. And then we share our own intersections with the divine. That practicing of retelling our story prepares us to tell our own stories and to grow deeper in relationship with God. And if this is your first time here, know that I am new here too. Um, as, as we all get to know each other more, I look forward to hearing more of your stories, uh, maybe sharing some of my own, and then participating in this common life of ministry at St. Stephen's, growing together. And as we are in the season of Advent and preparing for the celebration of Jesus' birth, we hear today about Joseph's story. And Joseph as we hear from the gospel according to Matthew, is in this midst of unexpected change and his faith in God is tested and he is waiting for the fulfillment of God's promise. So here's the story in case it's not familiar to you. Joseph learns of his fiancée's situation, which is being pregnant by the Holy Spirit, having conceived by the, with the help of the Holy Spirit. And, and Matthew describes Joseph as a righteous man. And the Greek word there also means fair or equitable. And so this supposed infidelity that has come up is quite unsettling for this fair and equitable man, as it would be for just about anybody. So infidelity is seen as socially unacceptable, right? Um, it's humiliating to Joseph if this news gets out, and it also nullifies or wipes out that betrothal, that arranged marriage that had been put together um, for, for Joseph and Mary, and the result for Mary could be public stoning. Like There are serious consequences here, and yet Joseph is a fair and equitable man. I would guess he's probably also an introvert. He probably doesn't want a whole lot of kerfuffle. He doesn't want a whole lot of, of heads being turned and feathers being ruffled. So we hear from Matthew, he wants a quiet resolution. And yet when he learns of this Holy Spirit conception situation, I can imagine he would be shocked and hurt, um, maybe angry. And so he ponders what he's going to do. Um, Maybe he thought through how he was going to break the news to Mary, that he was going to let her go quietly away. Maybe he thought, where, I'm gonna ta where will we go to talk about this, right? Where's a quiet place? Because um, he had planned out what he was going to do next. But then he has a dream. The angel of the Lord appears to him in this dream. And that, that Greek word for appeared also can be translated as shown brightly. So he's like this, this glowing angel appears in Joseph's dream, upending these, these plans that Joseph had to let this just go away gently. So I'm guessing maybe an angel or a dream hasn't ever turned your whole life upside down, but maybe you have learned more about someone's story 
and realize that there was a whole lot more going on in their life than you saw from the outside. Maybe you have learned of someone's hardship. Maybe you have learned of their world travels. Maybe you have learned of their deep, deep gifts. But the way you experience this is usually through telling of stories. And so in hearing Joseph's story, we learn about who he is. He's descended from David. We hear how his faith in God is tested. And specifically, we see what Joseph does to live into God's promise. Because when all of this was falling down, I can't imagine Joseph had any idea of the prophet Isaiah's words that this young woman would conceive and bear a son and they will name him Emmanuel. God is with us. Could Joseph have even known he was participating in this longer arc of a story? But what does he do to live into God's promise? He follows the angel's direction and takes Mary as his wife. The angel says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to do this. And so Joseph shows faithfulness by obedience. He also gives the baby a name. So in this ancient Near Eastern context, the one who names the child is the father, right? So this is a very paternal action. Even though Joseph is not the biological father of Jesus, this act of naming Jesus is an adoptive context. And he also passes along that lineage of David by adopting Jesus. Joseph also lives into God's promise by being flexible to say yes to this bizarre scenario of this divine child. We hear twice in, in this story that the Holy Spirit was active in this conception. We hear that Joseph abstained from consummating their marriage until after the child was born. And he was told that this baby would save people from their sins. What an odd dream. And per instructions, the child was to be named Jesus. In Hebrew, it's Joshua, Yeshua, or Yahweh saves. So God's sal salvific action is happening in Jesus. So we don't know a whole lot more about Joseph. He's kind of a tangential character in some ways. He doesn't have a whole lot of speaking parts. But we know that he was a carpenter who hurried his family to Egypt to avoid execution by Herod and then returned them home at some later date. He was faithful. He was steady. In the Roman Catholic Church, Joseph is known as the patron saint of travelers, the patron saint of social justice, of carpenters, of fathers, and several countries around the world, including Peru, Vietnam, and a couple others. Joseph's story of faith shows us an example of being steady in the middle of unexpected changes. 
even when we may shake our fist at God and say, what are you doing in my life right now? I don't understand. None of this makes sense. Joseph got that. Joseph was not alone in that time of trial. And wherever you are or wherever you have been, neither are you. Joseph's story of the nativity, of of becoming a husband, of becoming a father, in extraordinary circumstances, is a testimony to trusting God. As God was faithful to those promises made in that mystical dream and that had been forecast generations before by Isaiah. But that waiting is kind of hard, isn't it? not knowing what is going on. And so in Advent, we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. We need that reminder. And we know that God is with us always. When things go as we hope and they go as we pray, and even when we sit crushed and overwhelmed, uncertain of what good could possibly come, God is with us. Because as Paul wrote in that letter to the church in Rome of people he didn't even know yet, we are God's beloved and we are called to belong. We are invited to belong. And so since we're invited to belong, We participate in prayer. We participate in community. We continue to study the good news, even when we feel a little bit lost, or a lot bit lost. And we are reminded by God that we are not alone, and we are deeply loved. Because, friends, we are people of story, and our story is not over God's work in you, God's work in me is not yet done. God's promise has been fulfilled in Jesus, and we all are invited to belong. And as Paul writes, you are called to be saints. And so my prayer for us all is that our faith will grow as we await the coming of Jesus that we can take comfort in the steady, obedient witness of Joseph, even though we may be in the midst of those changes and chances of this life. And finally, that we may remain open to the dreams and promises that God has in store for each of us. For we are a people of story And our stories are not yet over. Amen.